hello ladies and everyone listening in. I hope you're all doing well today and that you are happy, healthy, and in good spirits. Mm-hmm. I'm Nairi, your host, and welcome to the Avanti Woman podcast, where we empower, connect, and build women to move forward, feel confident, and thrive in healthcare, finance, entrepreneurship, and philanthropy. Well, today's podcast is the second in a four-part series to discuss the legal aspects of your business. My dear friend, colleague, co-host, and I have to say, the genius behind orchestrating these four-part series, Sarah Chitak, is here. Hi, Hi Sarah. Hi, Nighty. How are you? And good. How are you doing? Great. I'm excited. <laughs> and I also want to say hello to Dordana Karim from Encore Law Group, a successful young attorney, and just an amazing self-made woman of color. Hi, Dordana. Good to have you again. Wow. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, ladies, you know, last time um, you discussed uh, about um, business formation and the different aspects of business structure and how how to protect it and oneself. And I have to say, it was such a valuable session. I was like a sponge just sucking it all in. So I'm really excited to see and hear what you have in store for us today. But before we go there, just to our listeners, just in case you missed the last podcast, which was very, very informative, you can always uh, find it in all the streaming platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just type in the Avanti Woman, and you can go ahead and listen to it and subscribe to it. Well, Sarah, I'm very excited to hear what you have in store for us. So the platform's all yours. Take it away, sister. I, thank you, Nighty. I think today's is really exciting. And I'm just so happy to have Dordana back with us. And um, so thank you, Dordana. But before we get started, so Nighty, let me ask you a question, because I know Dordana knows the answer to this. What does Spanx, the skinny girl, the honest company, Draper James, this is just one of many all have in common? Well, I think they all... They're brands created by just amazing women. That's exactly it. The, I think everybody who's listening knows over the last 10 to 15 years, we've seen an increasing number of brands that were built from scratch by women and learning along the way, and most importantly, succeeding. Uh, for those of you who joined us last time, you know that we discussed the various aspects of business structure, like Naomi had mentioned. But today we're talking with Jordana about um, trademarks. And so, but before we get started, Jordana, tell us again uh, something about you and uh, why you went into law. We'd love to hear. Yeah, and thank you so much for the introduction, Sarah. Um, so, my name is Jordana Kareem. I am a group in California, but I was born in a country called Bangladesh. Um, So coming from a family of immigrants and being an immigrant myself, my education was important to me and my family. Um, I earned my undergraduate degree from UCLA in International Development Studies. Um, And then I took a few years off um, to work um, and then went to law school and earned my um, law degree from Loyola Law School. I went to law thinking that I really wanted to practice immigration and public interest law, Um, but I really enjoyed the business and corporate classes that um, my had to offer and I earned a corporate law concentration. I've been working for about two and a half years at Encore Law Group um, and uh, I I practice corporate and transactional um, law. 
Um, and yeah, so being a woman of color, I think for me, I had uh, such a passion and um, to advocate for marginalized groups. Um, so I really enjoy the type of work that we can do because it does provide um, legal advice and services for women owned and minority owned businesses. Um, and especially, you know, our law firm is based in Los Angeles. So we're able to assist with, um, you know, businesses that are owned by diverse communities. Okay, that's wonderful. So you're the perfect person and I'm so glad that we're having this um, podcast right now. So the topic today is all about trademarks and brands. So it's how, what Spanx and Skinny Girl and Honest Company, what they all did. Let's start from the basic, um, let's start out from with the basics. What is a trademark, Jordana? Right, so a trademark or um, what we most people will think is a brand um, can be a word, a phrase, a symbol, a design, um, alone or in combination that is very distinctive of a person or a business, um, the goods and services that's provided by that business and used in a manner that distinguishes um, that good or service from other types of businesses. Um, so when you trademark something, you're creating something of value for your business. Okay. So tell us why it's important. I know I had to deal with it. When I first started my own uh, business, I had to get a trademark. So share with us, why is it important? Because I learned it the hard way a little bit. So <laughs> we want to help out our listeners to get it easy, have it yeah, easy so, for them. So when you attain trademark rights, and that can include common law, state, and federal rights, you're getting an exclusive right, obviously there are certain limitations, um, to use a trademark uh, exclusively in connection with the products or, uh, or services um, covered by the mark in that particular type of business. Um, so this helps you know, your business stand out with other competing businesses that are providing similar services or similar products. And a customer really relies upon that trademark to look at the value, the style, the quality, the status of the product or service. Um, it creates customer loyalty and goodwill and it also helps with promoting um, and marketing the service or products in the business. Okay. That's great <clears throat> to know. So the question then is, so um, we know what it's about, but how do I shield and protect what becomes my brand, right? So mm -hmm. uh, what are my legal rights with a trademark? And then um, how do I protect it? Right. So in trademark, you have three main types of rights. Okay. You have a common law right, which is something you obtain when you automatically start using your trademark in, with the, the good or the service for your business. Um, you have a state right, which is something that you can register your trademark with um, the state. Okay. And then you have a federal right where you can register the trademark with the United States Patent and Trademark Office or the USPTO. Okay. So I know there was a question. Nadi, do you remember a few years ago when we were talking about trademark? And we were confused yeah. before we reached yes. out to our legal team. And it was like, so Dordana, help all the listeners. What are all the mark? What What's the mark? Let's step back. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dordana, one of the things that I'm always confused about, what is this TM and what is this R? You know, all these different letters that we see. So make it like you know, dummy 101 for us. <laughs> so the main, the main reason why we use um, TM is to put others on notice that a trademark is actually pending registration with the USPTO. Um, 
This is usually done once we've done the application process. We let our clients know, we will let whoever's using the trademark know to start putting TM so that other people can be on notice to say, hey, this is being trademarked, so you shouldn't use it. <laughs> so, you know, it won't infringe on that individual's trademark. Right? It hasn't fully registered. Once mm -hmm. the trademark gets fully registered, that's when you have that R symbol with a circle um, on it, that little tiny. That means it's, it has been fully registered. So, so once you've been granted the TM, can it actually, have there been situations that you could lose it before it gets to the registered mark? There could be potential. It depends on, you know, because since it hasn't been fully registered with the USPTO, there may be other um, individuals who can claim, you know, right, the right, uh, common law rights usually develop when you first start using it, the first person to use it is the one that has that common law right. Um, and so there could be um, someone who can potentially try to claim that they have uh, that trademark right before you, even though you have the TM. But the TM is kind of a way to let others know, hey, I've started to use it and I've started to do my application process. So you should use it as well. Okay, <laughs> I see. So does the TM mean that someone else can't register for it then? So you're... From what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Bernana. So the TM says I've registered. Sarah has registered, and I've done. I've started the process. Pending registration. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Pending registration. Yes. Thank you. That's why ninety. This is why we have the lawyer, right? Um, <laughs> so it's pending registration, and we're giving notice to everybody else that here are the different areas that were pending registration. Don't bother registering. Is that it? Yes, it kind of provides you a way of saying, hey, we're starting, we're, we're, you know, we have the application, it could potentially get registered. Obviously, there's a whole process with, um, you know, registering a trademark application and making sure that it, it's in compliance with certain acts and rules and regulations, um, which, you know, of course, attorney is the best, you know, individual to to assist with that. <laughs> well, there, I was... there are so many things and, you know, we make sure to to um, comply with all of that so that there isn't a way of, you know, your application being denied or rejected because of, you know, likelihood of confusion with other trademarks that are also pending registration. Um, so and so <laughs> tell us a little about that, because I actually go to my attorney and I don't bother trying to figure it out. Um, maybe you can help us understand why would I, why would anybody go to an attorney to get a trademark? Um, and what is the process of getting that trademark? Mm -hmm. So as I had said before, there are two, two kind of places that you can register through the state or through the federal system, which is the USPTO. Um, the reason why you, why someone would go through the state is, you know, it is a faster process. Um, it is local, so it only protects that trademark in that specific, you know, jurisdiction, that specific state. Um, so it is usually for local businesses and you want to really do it quickly and get that first of use. Um, whenever we recommend, whenever clients come in and they want to trademark, um, you know, their mark for their business, we always go to the, the USPTO, get the federal registration, you have a nationwide protection. It does take um, a longer process, it can take anywhere from six months to a year um, for a trademark to get registered. Um, and we make sure to do a comprehensive search um, through the, you know, USPTO search site, um, to make sure there are no other competing trademarks, because um, it's not just, they don't just look to see if the mark is, you know, the same, it, it's, in terms of similarity of the sounding, the design, um, the way of the that it looks, and then also the similarity of the 
goods and services. It doesn't have to be the exact same. If it's within similar um, types of services or similar types of goods, um, you could get rejected. And a lot of people don't know for certain types of products like um, beer and uh, other alcoholic distilled alcohol, even though they're in two different classes, the USPTO has said that these are very similar goods, the same type of business can register. And so we've had certain clients, you know, have difficulty in registering trademark, um, not understanding that these are, you know, similar for the USPTO. And so we make sure to review and analyze all of that before we register. And then if there is ever something called an office action, which is where the USPTO is saying, hey, this is not going to register because it's competing with something else it's too similar we can you know provide an argument for um overcoming that okay keep your lawyer lo I'm yeah uh, <laughs> i'm definitely <laughs> keeping my attorney so now it yes, makes me yes. wonder i'm um, i don't know nighty if you've you've thought about this and um dordana you know let, give us your expertise opinion so if i'm building a new business and I think this is the brand name I want to come up with. Should I reach out to my attorney before I go further in um, even getting my checking account done and everything to, to see if this is a name I want to go with before I start building the brand and creating a website and doing all the other things that a business needs to do? I think one thing that's really important in terms of the brand, because you do want to establish, you know, that that's something that people look at when they're purchasing a product is that trademark, that brand, the name, mm -hmm. the design that's in there. And you want to make sure that it's not competing with other businesses, doing a very quick Google search just to make sure an online search, just to make sure that there isn't any other businesses, because there might be a business that's not providing the same type of services, then you can, you know, you're able to, you know, use that type of trademark or the type of mark. Um, that That's kind of the basic um, type of way. Anyone can actually go onto the USPTO website and actually do a, um, a search there for, for the trademark. There are, are certain things, because we do a much more comprehensive um, type of search, because we'll also use third parties if we ever find something too similar that looks up everything, you know, out there in the world to see if there's nothing competing with it. Yeah. Um, so, so, it is, it is to some extent you want to, you want to research. You don't want to just assume, oh, this name is available or this type of design is available um, before doing your research. Cause once you start building up the business and you get, you know, a cease and desist letter, you know, right. <laughs> six months later saying, Hey, you can't use this name anymore. Um, it's kind of, now you have to re, you know, brand yourself. And so that can cost money and effort and time. And so you want to make sure that you do have a good, mark that is distinguishable from other marks that are out there or other trademarks that are out there. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So Nighty, you, I think you brought up something just a few minutes ago, uh, which is about uh, trademark rights and the use it or lose it. So mm -hmm. you said, can you lose it, right, Nighty? Right. Um, so Dordana, can you share with us, is it true that you can lose it? How do I lose it? What do I need to do not to lose it? <laughs> Right. So the first part of it, of course, is getting the mark registered, right? The trademark registered and making sure it's not competing with anything else. It can doesn't have likelihood of confusion, follows all the you know regulations for the USPTO. The second half of it, 
And this is also part of the registration. You actually have to use your mark in commerce um, or use it, you know, in terms of selling the product or the services so that it can get registered, but also so that you can continue to have the registration. And so, um, you know, once a trademark is registered with the USPTO, you have to take affirmative steps to maintain it. And that includes doing certain renewals um, every six and 10 years, um, and then 10 years after that for the trademark registration. And then also to make sure that if you ever do, because we have clients coming in and saying, hey, this you know, they find something online where this business is using their same name or that's a registered trademark of them. We want to send something called a cease and desist letter so that they can, you know, you can protect yourself. And if there's ever any type of trademark infringement, um, we send those types of letters out just to tell other people. And that's kind of a way to maintain and um, um, use your trademark uh, out there. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's good to know every six to 10 years, this is where then my because I'm using my attorney <laughs> with my trademarks. Yes. <laughs> so we calendar everything. We make sure that everything you. is, you know, on top of it so that there is no, you know, abandonment of your trademark. So that's why it's good to have, you know, work with an attorney at that point because you, the business owner wants to make sure that you're responsible for handling the business and making sure the business is profitable and getting revenue and expanding and growing and all of that. The attorneys are responsible for handling, you know, renewals and deadlines and, you know, timelines. So that's, um, we calendar everything. So yeah. it's important to speak with an attorney there. Yes. And that's <laughs> Fantara. One, one more time. Keep your attorney. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely am. And I'm not losing it either. So right. um, fantastic. So let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so thank you for all the, the information on the trademarks and how important it is for our brand and as our, our business is growing and hopefully going international, um, the importance of that. Now, for all of our listeners and us gals here, you know, tell us about women-owned business registration. So what is it and who qualifies, Dordana? Yeah, so women-owned or minority-owned business enterprises are businesses that are certified to be majority-owned by women, minorities, or those that identify in the LBGTQ community. Um, so having this type of certification allows um, that business to gain access to a network of other women-owned businesses, um, increases visibility with corporate and government supply chains, um, provides education development um, and networking mentorship um, for entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs out there. Um, so this certification um, really is valuable. And I especially think nowadays, you know, um, with COVID, you know, 2020, everything that's happened, I really love supporting small businesses and being a yeah. woman of color, you know, that's I right. really do take into consideration the products that I buy and the services that I, that I um, want to, you know, pay for. Um, I look to see who are the owners, you know, who are the people mm -hmm. that are um, that that this behind. business is supporting? Because people are looking into beyond just the product. They want to know what this business, what this company is all about. And so, um, having a women-owned certification, I think, is really great because it it's, it stands you out from other businesses out there. That's wonderful. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know, Nadi, if you had a question, but I was just. Uh, gonna go to the I, base I was thinking i was thinking you know i, I i've never done this where yeah. was i <laughs> that's because i didn't have the right attorney to tell yeah. me well, well we've got jordana here so jordana tell us how do how do we register and how do we get certified 
So yes, so the certification process, um, there are a couple of different ways to, to get certified. Um, you can go through your local city um, or county and get the certification in Los Angeles, because we are in you know a Los Angeles based firm. Um, we provide that certification um, and you can register through the city. It gets classified as a minority women owned business and local certification usually helps you more with getting government contracts. Um, with there's also the Small Business Administration, the SBA, that provides certification. This helps you with getting um, federal contracts because what happens is that they mm -hmm. have to award five percent of all federal contracting dollars to women-owned businesses. Um, but the main one that we actually recommend is to go through um, a private certification process because this gives you a much more um, expansive uh, or much more of a bigger network. Um, and these private certification companies are recognized or entities are recognized by local government and the SBA to say, you know, if you have certification through them, we accept that as well. And so one of the main one is the Women um, Business National Enterprise Council. Um, there are rec nationally recognized, um, including by the city of LA and um, accepted by many US businesses, as well as most federal, state and local government agencies. Um, and so we, we recommend usually that it the whole certification process does take some time. Okay. <laughs> um, you have to show that, you know, there's 51% ownership owned by women or a minority um, who are, it is for US citizen and permanent re legal residents um, and the management and daily operations are controlled um, by one or more women. Um, the certification looks into, it's a long vetting process. You know, it looks into um, uh, the business documentation. It also has a site visit and interview, um, you know, explanation of what this business is about, um, resumes of, you know, the main managers and mm -hmm. the owners of the business. Um, and so, and it can be, you know, a little bit costly because it depends on the revenue of the business. It can range from 350 to 1250 in terms of um, the cost for the application. But once you get registered, you have all of those benefits. You know, you have the access to the network. You have um, that certification that you can put on there. So um, it's it's a thing that a lot of women-owned businesses should consider. Um, and so, of course, speak with an attorney so that they can at least advise you on the application process and what that's all about. So that's great. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. Like one of the questions, I think you answered it. So if I'm in a, in a partnership 50-50, with mm -hmm. my, uh, and my partner is male. I cannot register unless I own 51%. 51%, yes, yes. You would have to have, right. it has to be majority owned by by uh, women because they want, you know, that, that certification to be majority owned by women. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Okay. And then um, do we, so we've got the small business administration and then we've got the private, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So, and then do women own businesses come go to their attorneys or they just go to the attorneys for guidance on um, uh, the processing of it? Um, do attorneys assist or what other, what other um, resources do, do we have? Like, where should I be going and looking into the process? 
For both. I mean, usually we let the clients know these are the different places that you can go. We're happy, of course, to help and assist and make sure that the application is when when you work with an attorney, the application is much more comprehensive. You make sure to include everything so it doesn't get rejected, of course, or, you know, you're not having to um, include more or make amendments to the application. Um, and so we can do both. Most attorneys are able to do both. They can either advise or if they if they want assistance, if a business owner wants assistance with the application process, um, the attorneys are able to assist with that. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, you know, I really appreciate uh, you sharing your experience and wisdom with all of us, Jordana. This was wonderful. Um, I wish I knew all of this before I started my first business and, you know, you shared a wealth of knowledge with all of us and a lot to think through before we kick off our brand. Um, uh, Naidi, did you have something to add? Um, you know, I, I just, I, this is amazing information, very, very valuable. And I was just thinking, my next step in my business is to go get certified <laughs> and I know who to call. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but yeah, thank you. Thank, yeah. So thank you again, Dordana and thank you Encore Law Group and a, a big thank you to all of our listeners. This was the second of our four part series. We look forward to having you join us at our third podcast and we look forward to, um, you know, having you join us. But before we leave all of you, I like to just say one thing to our listeners out there. I can't wait to discover your brand and celebrate your success and, you know, go be the trailblazer and inspire other women out there. That's awesome. Thank you, ladies. It was such an awesome Thank session, you. seriously. <laughs> and, you know, to inspire these women listeners. And, and like you said, Sarah, you know, be the trailblazers. Uh, trail Hello. And um, again, um, you know, Thank you for listening to our podcast today. And remember, we uh, you can find us on all of the social media platforms at The Avanti Woman. And also remember, if you want to listen to our previous podcast, you can find us on all the streaming platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just type in The Avanti Woman and listen away. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you and have a blessed day. Bye-bye.